Good morning, everybody. It's always interesting to see how the summer goes with the congregation, and it's uh, wonderful to see you all. We do notice that some of our more front row people aren't here this morning, but that's okay. I'm sure the, the sound will carry. So my sermon preparation was a little bit erratic this week, uh, just because we're living out of a trailer, and uh, I couldn't find my binder, I couldn't find my three-hole punch, I couldn't find a whole bunch of other stuff, so um, I had in big letters, pray before you preach, just because it was that kind of week, because it's a little disorganized. Maybe, uh, maybe a little bit about what Kimball was sharing about being in uh, two places at once. Let's just pray. Father, my prayer is that uh, your words will be loud and clear this morning. Lord, that uh, I will get out of the way. Father, that your word from 1 John 5 will speak to us, that you will use and use these words that uh, come from my mouth uh, for those who are here and those who are online, and that you will be glorified. Lord, this is about you. This is about your glory and honor. This is about Jesus, you're the Son of God, and how that truth will make a difference in our life and in the world. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together, and we just bless your holy name. Amen. So uh, a, a number of my family are here today, so I thought I'd start with some jokes. I know Kimball did this about a month or two ago, but we, we got to do a few jokes just to kind of get us loosened up and uh, that type of thing. So my grandkids know these jokes, so, uh, so uh, uh, Xander and Avea and, uh, and Berkeley, uh, you cannot give the answers, okay? Here goes, three jokes. How do you know that the ocean is friendly? It waves, yes. You guys are on it. I, I really like this one. What do you call a bear with no teeth? A gummy bear. Somebody had it over here. Really good. Okay, now this is a hard one. Put on your thinking caps. What has four wheels and flies? A garbage truck. Did, is that what I heard? Yes. Wheels, flies, bzzz, that type of thing. Really good. So as we're looking at 1 John 5, the thing that really struck me is that a number of things that I've noted uh, in research and looking and understanding is that this is the same fellow as the Gospel of John. This is the same person. And there's even some thoughts that 1 John is a treatise or a sermon or an essay to defend his gospel. And as we are looking at our scripture verse today, it's all about the deity of Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. It's about Jesus. And that got me thinking just to start a little bit of a preamble here, to talk about, when we talk about receiving Jesus, we're, we're an evangelical church. We're a Protestant tradition. We're the Mennonite Brethren Churches of Alberta and of Canada. 
And what does that really mean when we talk about receiving Jesus? And, and John talked about this uh, in his book. John 1.12. Just listen to, to the words of John in his gospel. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So receiving Jesus, but to all who did receive Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. And then we use a lot of times the words believing in Jesus. So receiving Jesus, believing in Jesus. And I'm thinking of John chapter 3, a very, very familiar verse. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Receiving Jesus, believing in Jesus. And then that word, born and born again. Just think back in John chapter 3 in the gospel. Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Receiving Jesus, believing in Jesus, and born again. Very common words that we use in everyday life here in the church, in College Drive, and in our Christian world. So today we're looking specifically at Jesus, the Son of God. And just a little review, I think maybe you're getting sick of this, but we're going to do it again, the three tests the moral or righteous test dealing with sin and obedience. How do we deal with sin? How are we at obeying God's word and obeying God? The love test, how am I doing at loving my brother or sister? And today will be the faith test. Close, but not quite to what Kimball talked about where he was talking about Jesus coming in the flesh the faith test today, what do we believe about Jesus? And the reason I bring that up is because I'm going to tell you a story that I'm not happy about. And this is why I was talking about accepting Jesus, being born again, receiving Jesus. I had a phone call from a pastor saying, would you please go see someone in the hospital? He accepted Jesus last night. And I said, yes, of course, I'll be glad to go and visit that person. And I went to the person in the hospital, room number and name, and I said, hi, I heard that something happened last night for you. And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, do you want to tell me about it? And he says, yeah, that preacher guy came by and he bothered me so much, I said whatever he wanted me to say just to get rid of him. Oh. So accepting Jesus, maybe it's not quite as simple as we are making it to be. What do I believe about Jesus? What do I believe? What is it about Jesus that makes the difference in my life? And for our background, I mentioned already that 1 John is a, like a sermon. It's like a, 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 an essay we know that uh, John was writing against the false teachings of Gnosticism. 
when Kimball was talking about Jesus coming in the flesh and giving the, the uh, apostolic authority and all the reasons for Jesus coming in the flesh, that's because the Gnostics believe that maybe Jesus was just spirit, that he really never came in the flesh. And if he didn't come in the flesh, well, then he couldn't die, could he? Because he wasn't alive like a man. And our question, of course, am I in the light? And we're going to add one more. Do I have the Son? Do I have the Son of God in my life? And what do I believe about Jesus today? What is it about Jesus that changes me, that brings me to wholeness, that brings me to eternal life, that brings me to a, to a life here on earth that is with God and for God. <clears throat> Let's read our scripture. 1 John 5, and we're reading from 1 to 12. And if you have your scripture journal, uh, keeping notes, I encourage you to do that. Um, I would love to see anyone of you uh, with your scripture journal uh, full of notes. Please, please come and show it to me. I would, I would love to see that whether you've been able to be consistent through the summer or whether not, but uh, I just love it when I see those journal notes uh, full of your, your notes and your thoughts and uh, what you've understood and how God is changing you through 1 John. Here we go, chapter 5, 1 through 12. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world." And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And... The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are these three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony. That God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I don't know if this has ever been done here before, 
But I'm going to ask you a question, and we're going to post the answers up behind me on the board. What would you say, as I went to that person in the hospital, I hear something special happen to you. What would you say if you were asked by a person about Jesus in your life? Let's say that that visit went totally different and the person said, yes, something happened. What would you share about Jesus in your life? I'd like you just to shout out a few things to me and we're just going to have them put behind me on the board. Yeah, just a shout out. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll let him catch up a little bit back there. Good. Okay. Somebody else. That speaks to the personal nature of Jesus. He is with Kim. Sits with her. Talks to her. Somebody else. Okay. Jesus gives us peace, gives you peace when things are going sideways in life. Thank you. Somebody else? Direction. Yes, direction in life. Leading the following of Jesus, right? Following in Jesus' footsteps. Really good. Somebody from over here. Hope. We have hope when we have Jesus in our life. Thank you. Forgiveness. Correction. Is that like discipline or you want to say another word? Okay. Correction, discipline. I've added a word. Ah, always with us, never leaves us. Thank you. And I'm going to take one more. Sorry? Discernment and wisdom. Beautiful, beautiful. So, Again, Kimball, this is Christology, right? This is literally the understanding of Christ. It's the study of the nature, the person, and the work of Christ. And this is only the start. This is only the start. Uh, we can talk about the qualities of Jesus. We can talk about him being the, God of son, uh, the son of God. That's us today. We can talk about his titles. We can talk about him being Emmanuel. That's God with us. We can talk about him as the Messiah. We can talk about his use of the word son of man. There's a whole list of things. Let's just zero in on the son of God. Did you know that even Satan called Jesus the son of, son of God? Satan said to Jesus when he was testing him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And then demons would talk to Jesus. And what would they say? What do you have to do with us, O son of God? The disciples, after Jesus performed a miracle on the Sea of Galilee, 
bowed before him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. The high priest at Jesus' kangaroo court trial said, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, you say that I am. And from that, Jesus was convicted. The centurion at the cross after Jesus died said, truly, this was the Son of God. So from today's scripture, we're going to talk a little bit about testimony. I don't know if any of you have ever been subpoenaed to a court to be a witness. In Jewish law, you needed two witnesses to confirm a conviction. You needed two people to say the same thing. Back to Jesus' kangaroo court, they couldn't find two people to say the same things about him. And so in Jewish law, it was very important. And so in today's scripture... John talking against the Antichrist, John talking against Gnosticism, John defending the Word of God, John stating categorically that Jesus is the Son of God, he brings four witnesses, just for extra measure. And the first one is the water and the blood. And it's really interesting because we really don't know what this means. We're going to have to guess. And there's about three different uh, educated guesses what the water and the blood might mean. And so the first one could be that it simply refers to the cross. When the centurion speared Jesus, out came water and the blood. Now what's kind of unique is that we're reading this, the, these words from in 1 John and the water and the blood the Antichrist people know what it means. The people from their church knows what it means. But we don't quite know what it means. So it could be the water and the blood that gushed out of Jesus. It could refer to baptism and the Lord's Supper. Water for baptism, the blood for the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And served the wine and the bread. So water for baptism and blood for the wine. Or a third view, it could, water and blood could just represent all of Jesus' ministry, everything about him. Jesus' baptism, and baptism for us, uh, thinking about Jesus could be pretty simple uh, to relate to. We have our baptismal tank behind us here, uh, I'm guessing that probably 99% of you have seen a baptism before. And of course, Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist was saying, no, I don't want to baptize you. I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes or tie your sandals. And so uh, it was pretty significant, Jesus' baptism, but that might be something more that we can identify with, although some very thing, special things happened at Jesus' baptism. So that's the water, and then the blood would be his crucifixion. Now, and of course, the resurrection and him conquering and overcoming death and sin. And I was thinking about the crucifixion. I was thinking, now, do I really 
know what that's like. I've seen a lot of baptisms, haven't seen any crucifixions. So I brought myself along just a little bit of a demonstration, and I thought, okay, how can I demonstrate part of the crucifixion? So there's a piece of wood. Um, here's a uh, nice brass hammer. And uh, again, I don't know if this has ever been done here before, but uh, here's a uh, nice little nail. It's actually a really big one, and it's pretty gross. So uh, I'm just going to demonstrate, and I think all of you are going to be thinking a little bit like me, that this is uh, not very nice. might want to turn my mic off. stage would echo. That's kind of hard to take, isn't it? To think that there's a couple of feet below this nail or hands. The testimony of the water and the blood. That's the first testimony. So actually, Jesus in his life being the testimony. The third one, the Spirit. In John's day, there was controversy over the Spirit, just as we have controversy today about the Holy Spirit. Today we can have thoughts and talks and books on spirituality and on spiritual beliefs, but it doesn't cover Jesus, the Son of God. When I was in seminary, we gave it a fancy name, and it was called the Particularity of Jesus. We've got religions with gods. We've got religions with prayer. We've got all kinds of thoughts and spirituality and spirits out there, but it's the particularity of Jesus. His baptism, his crucifixion on the cross, that signifies that he truly is the Son of God. Yes, more than one criminal went through that. But they were not the Son of God. They were not sinless. They were not perfect. They could not bear the sins on the cross. They did not come alive again. The Son of God came alive again. And to talk about the Spirit as a witness is a little bit hard. Kimball told us to test the spirits that we were looking and today we're looking at the agreement of all the testimonies, all the witnesses. So think about it, the water and the blood and then the Spirit. What does the Spirit of God say inside of you? Is it true? Did Jesus come alive? The Spirit will, in you will confirm these historic events, the baptism and the cross. The Holy Spirit testifies the truth. 
Paul himself said in Romans 9.1, I am speaking the truth in Christ. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. The witness of the water and the blood and now the Spirit. What does the Spirit say to you in your heart? And now the witness of the Father. Ultimately, God is the final witness. And it's kind of interesting because it doesn't say what his witness is. God the Father has sent his only Son. It's a divine testimony. And to not believe the gospel is to stand opposed to God. So, so this is where it really gets serious, where the rubber really meets the road. Because God himself has testified about his Son. And of course, there's the contradiction that John emphasizes. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. So what could that testimony have been? Maybe at the baptism where there was Jesus, God's son. There was the Holy Spirit, the dove descended. And then there was a voice this is my beloved son. Maybe that's the testimony John is talking about here. Remember, John was there. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So God himself is the source of truth about Jesus. And so our question for this whole series has been, am I in the light and I've added the question, do I have the Son? And I threw in a third just for good measure. Am I in Christ? Maybe that's a little bit different. Do I have the Son? And maybe am I in Christ is, am I in Jesus Christ? For me, in Christ means full agreement with the Word of God and the gospel truth about Jesus. Receiving all the witnesses, the water and the blood and the Spirit, and now God's Word, God's testimony. And being in Christ, having full agreement and receiving all the testimonies has to do with our heart, our mouth and our confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the Son of God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is still Romans 10. It is with your heart you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith. And it's the reason I started with that nasty little story in talking about accepting Jesus and being born again and how lightly we use those phrases and maybe even mistakenly and maybe even without our heart and our mouth. So an author said about today's scripture, disbelieving the right testimonies has severe consequences. Claiming a divine enlightenment that neglects the Son of God is eternally perilous. My words, if you think you know better than God, if you tell God he is wrong, it's going to cost you your life. 
It's not just a theological debate. Being in Christ, believing the witness of Jesus, the gospel, the water and the blood, the witness of the Holy Spirit, the witness of God the Father is so important because now we see in today's scripture that it's going against the world. The world. I said this morning in prayer at 10 o'clock, I said, I'm going to talk about what makes me grumpy. The world makes me grumpy. And I don't want to be grumpy. I don't want to be a grumpy old man. I don't want to die grumpy. Here's my list of grumpy. Heavy traffic. And drivers who speed. Forest fires and smoke make me grumpy. Famine and hunger make me grumpy. Wars and refugees. Politics and injustice. Homelessness and the opioid crisis makes me grumpy. I want to cry when I ride my pedal bike downtown on a Sunday morning at 7 o'clock and I'm sick of it. I'm grumpy about disease. I'm grumpy about cancer. I'm grumpy about death. And I'm grumpy about poor service at stores where employees don't care about me. <laughs> That's the world. Ah, but we have Jesus, the Son of God. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes, death has been overcome, but guess what? It starts here and now. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. That nail right there in Jesus' hands and feet. Here are the benefits of having the Son of God in your life. Not just, I'm born again, I got my golden ticket to heaven. No, the Son of God in your life. We can overcome the world by the fruit that is promised. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5. We can overcome the world by the fruit that is promised to us and that we claim. We can overcome the world by God's good gifts. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We can overcome the world by our obedience. Well, how does that work? Because I don't feel like obeying God every day. Well, we got a promise here from 1 John 5, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments aren't burdensome. So how is it that commandments are not burdensome? Well, Ironically, obedience gives freedom because there's no rules or laws that apply against obeying God. 
You can love as much as you want. You can forgive as much as you want. You can have as much patience as you want. There's no laws. There's no rules against it. And it gives you freedom in Christ. We heard a lot about this. Number four, we share love with others. Isn't it better to love than to hate? Even that silly little thing where people say, you know, it takes way more facial muscles to frown than to smile. We love because he loved us first, says John. We can love because he loved us, and I don't deserve it because I'm grumpy. Joy, one of the fruits of the Spirit. But joy isn't happiness. If I give you each $10,000, oh, that'd be a lot of money, you'd be happy till the ten grand is gone, but you still wouldn't have joy. Joy is different. Forgiveness. We heard about forgiveness. It was Carol or somebody else. We heard about forgiveness. We're pure and forgiven. Our sins are thrown away into this giant sea of forgetfulness, Psalm says. They're gone. And it happened on the cross because Jesus is the Son of God. We have armor and protection, Ephesians 6. Have you ever felt that protection? Have you ever put on that armor? Have you ever prayed for something that God would protect you? Ephesians 6, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, the authorities, and against powers of this dark world. Wars and refugees, politics and injustice, homelessness, opioid and drugs, disease, cancer, famine. That's the powers of this dark world. Number eight, the benefit of life forever. John 1, 1 John 2 verse 17 says, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And today's scripture, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. We heard from Trevor about number nine, community. We have community here. And I'll give you a practical example. I think I've shared this with two or three people here. You know that on a Sunday, our children in this church can roam free. They can go up and down the hallways. They can go in the bathroom themselves. They can run around the... The, the sanctuary, and they're safe. We have community. We trust one another. We're not scared for our children. We're not thinking that something awful is going to happen to them. This community is a safe place and a beautiful place. And we are the family of God, and we're together, and our children are safe in church. By the way, you heard Kimball say, we need someone for our, for our children. I try not to call them kids. I think kids are goats. Anyways, for our children. And don't do it for yourself. Don't do it for the children. Do it for God and his kingdom. I hear it over and over and over and over in the hospital. Someone's 85 and I say, when did you hear about Jesus? In Sunday school, in camp. That's where it starts. Our community is one of the benefits, one of those things that overcomes the world. And finally, gratitude. And I have my list here. 
We did this last Sunday. For those of you who are here for our outside service, we did gratitude. I'm grateful for prayer without ceasing. I'm grateful for my wife, my family, my friends, this church, this community. I'm grateful for peace that passes all understanding. I'm grateful for food, clothing, and shelter. I'm grateful for Canada. I'm grateful for Canada. My parents came from Holland, and they said, we came here for you kids so that you could have a life, so you could have freedom. I'm grateful for volunteers and people who serve others in work and in in volunteer positions. I'm grateful for health and strength and work and learning that I can do. So, overcoming the world. There's so many benefits. There's so many things that having the Son of God in our life, Jesus Christ, makes a big, big difference. And I'm going to end and ask all of you to stand and we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed because I think when we, when we think about the opposition that John had and the opposition that we can have here, we need something really solid to stand on. And our Mennonite Confession and the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed is from the 3rd century. Just think about that, 1,700 years old. It's the most widely used creed in the Christian church. It was composed in response to Gnosticism, exactly what John is writing against. And it's succinct, and it's... I chose the old one, so there's a few old words. Would you stand with me, and we're just going to... I'll invite the worship team forward and uh, after this, and then we're going to stand together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.